Next, I am absolutely delighted to introduce our next speaker, Father Donald Calloway. Yes. Already getting a round of applause. I haven't even told you about him. He's a convert to Catholicism, is a member of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception before his conversion to Catholicism. He was a high school dropout who had been kicked out of a foreign country, institutionalized twice, and thrown in jail multiple times. Now he wears a Roman collar. With God, all things are possible, right? Father Calloway has written many academic articles and books, and his latest work was just published last month in January and is the first worldwide movement of consecration to St. Joseph, from jail to Joseph, Itayad Yosef. Thank you so much, Father Calloway, for being here. Wow, wow, wow. There are so many of you here. This is incredible. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. I wish I had more time because I have so much to say. But I want to start it with this. Um, do you know about this? Oh, I hope you do. I hope you do. Not everybody applauded, so you're about to find out about it, all right? So we're going to sell out of books today like you don't know. And you're probably going to want to hit me after because the books are doing so well that we don't have any like it's only been out since January 1st and we've sold 40,000 copies already it's unbelievable so you're probably like what is he talking about what book are you talking about all right it's called consecration to saint joseph okay i don't that's not the title of my talk right now but i want to talk about this just for a few seconds and i'll mention it again at the end and i want you right now to do me a huge favor because this is the only way that this is going to happen pull out a piece of paper and a pen or your phone whatever this is how important this is because I want you to write this down. Because after this talk, you're going to be like, what was that book? What's the website? Trust me, I could say this a hundred times and people will come up to me and go, what was the website? Dude, <laughs> I mean, especially men, right? Maybe you ladies are better. I go to men's conferences, you're like, duh. I'm like, dude, I said it a hundred times, homie. You know? <laughs> write this down. Consecration to St. Joseph. Saint is just S-T consecration to stjoseph.org write that down because you're going to if you're not familiar with this book you're going to be this book right here is going to be everywhere very soon very soon so go to that website later today you're not going to be able to buy the book right away you can buy it but you're not going to get it for 2 to 3 weeks they're printing 80,000 more copies right now it's gone everywhere bishops are declaring years of st joseph for their diocese right now all because of this book it's unbelievable what's happening. So I'm begging you. I'm begging you from the depths of my soul. I'm begging you to get a copy of this book. It will change your life. It will change your husband's life. It will help renew your marriage. We need St. Joseph today, my sisters, like we've never needed him before. I mean that. Okay, enough of that. 
I'll mention it again at the end. Because many of you still, you probably spelled it wrong. So I'm going to consecration to stjoseph.org. You have no idea how often I go through this. It's a trip. All right. So how many of you know about my story, my conversion to Catholicism? Okay, cool. How many of you do not? No shame. Wow. Awesome. I can tell you anything. You don't know me. All right. So what I'm going to do, ladies, is I'm going to give you a message of hope, a message of mercy, because this talk is not about me. I'm, I'm nobody special. I've just been mercified. God has dumped so many graces on me. But I think for the reason of giving you, especially you and your, your feminine hearts, which are much more sensitive than our men's hearts, right? When, our, when, when I talk to fathers, you know, when their sons have gone astray and they're not going to church anymore, fathers are like, eh, they'll come through it. <laughs> Women tend to be just, the heart is just pierced. It, it, it hurts because there's so much of an emotional bond. You, you, you carried your, those babies in your body for nine months. There's a, there's a biological link there that is deeper than, than men you know, have. And I know that many of you are hurting and you're suffering because your children don't go to church anymore or your husband doesn't go to church or whatever it is. So I want to give you a message of hope and mercy. All right. So you see me here, right, as a priest. And hopefully I look normal. Most people, you know, I wouldn't stand out in the sense of I would look, you know, different from anybody else. But when I tell people my story, you know, many people don't believe it. They're like, really? I mean, really? I have this happen all the time. I'm like, dude, what do I got to do? I got to call my mom and be like, verify this mom. Talk to this dude. Because it's so extreme that it sounds made up, but it's not. So let me back up. So when I was born, I was born into a non-Catholic, non-Christian, non-religious household. We did not buy into any of that stuff. My parents were, you know, none of that kind of stuff. My mom was very young. I was conceived when she was 17, born when she was 18. And she got married uh, because I came along. And that marriage was a disaster. My first dad, my biological father, was far from a St. Joseph. He was a man who was of the world, and that marriage fell apart. And my mother had to, you know, separate from him, get the custody order, and, you know, file a, a thing where he couldn't come near us, and it was a disaster. I was just a little baby when all that was going on. And then my mother remarried, and then that one was worse than the first one. Dad number two, he didn't even think he had to get a job to support, you know, his wife and, and, and me. And so she got a job. She joined the United States Navy and went off to Florida to boot camp, left me with dad number two in a trailer home in West Virginia, which is not where I was born, but where we were living at the time. And I saw things that my eyes should not have seen. I saw my stepfather doing things with other women. And I'm like, mm, this just doesn't seem, it seems wrong. But I hadn't had any formation about, uh, you know, how, what life is all about. And so this is how I developed and watching TV and listening to the music that I listened to, I just thought the role of a guy was just to score. Just get as many women as you possibly can and, you know, have fun. Well, that didn't fly with my mom, obviously. So she divorced dad number two. And then she married my third father. Now, my third father was a little different. He was a naval officer. And so when they got married, I was 10 years old. Well, I was nine years old, actually. And he brought two new things into my life at that time. So do you remember what my last name is? Callaway, right? I love it. Why? 
Because my biological father's last name that I had up until I was adopted by, by dad number three, my last name up until that time was Croc. Thank God for adoption, right? Thank you. I mean, unless that's your last name. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Actually, it might be. I got relatives in this area. Dang, I better be careful. Sorry. I, I got to be careful, man. So I've never met them, but I know they live somewhere in central Ohio. So anyway, so I become Callaway and I get baptized. Why? Because my, my new dad was a devout Christian. No. He wasn't. He didn't talk about God, didn't believe in God. But his parents, my new grandparents, because I got grandparents all over the place, right? <laughs> they said, you've adopted this boy. He, this boy has never even been baptized. This is shameless. You need to get him baptized. My parents were not into that. They were like, no, nah, it's not what we do. But grandparents being grandparents, they kept nagging. No offense to grandparents, right? But they were like, get him baptized, get him baptized, get him baptized. So finally, my parents were like, fine, shut up, right? So we'll, they went to an Episcopalian church. Why? Because that's what the grandparents were. So they thought they'll make it look special, super special, if they get baptized in an Episcopalian church. So there was no requirements. You know, you just show up, no preparation. I was baptized when I was 10 in the Episcopalian church. How many relatives were invited? Zero. How many pictures were taken? None. Why waste film on this, right? All my parents wanted was the 8 by 11 certificate to shut up the grandparents. And it seemed to work. So, did we go to church? Even at Easter or Christmas? No, we never, never said a prayer, none of that stuff, right? So then we started to move as a military family. And we moved to California, which was awesome. Because there I was where all the movies were coming from and the music. And now, I was the fruit of the, the hippie generation. And everything that they fought for and to have rights to do with their body, what they wanted to do with their body. And you could just, you were, you were free to do whatever. And I was like, this is fantastic. I absolutely loved it. And yet, I went down a really bad path. A really bad path. So this was the early 80s. And music now, for my generation, was not just audible. It was visual. You know, the MTV generation where you could see the, the, the music. So, you know, when you listen to music sometimes, you can't make out the lyrics. You know, you're just humming along. You don't know what, what you're saying. But if you see a video, it becomes very clear what's being talked about. You know, the hot for teacher. It was like, shazam. You know, it was, to a young boy, it was like, dang. Dang. I went down a really bad path. Really bad path. I became a little foul, twisted kid with bad intentions. In my heart, in my mind. And this was all my friends. I didn't grow up with one devout Christian as a friend. Not one. Not one. So that's what I was being exposed to. And after a period of time, we were there for a while. We lived in L.A. and then we were down in San Diego. And it was just absolutely loved it. After a period of time, my dad says. Now when I say dad now, I mean dad number three, right? He said we're going to move again. So I'm like, uh, Honolulu, right? That's what I wanted to hear. But that's not what he said. You know what he said? Japan. Yeah, that was my reaction. Huh? I was, no offense to anybody Japanese here, right? Domo arigato to you and your culture, right? But what? I'm not doing Japan. (laughs) Wrong answer. But I had no choice. So I had to go to Japan with them. And when I went there, I told, told myself, 
I'm, I'm not into this. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And so that's what I started to do. So I didn't go to school and I eventually just dropped out of school and I ran away. Now this took, you know, we're supposed to be there for three years. I got involved with all the kids who were bad news. Right, today, everybody's so triggered that nobody wants to call a spade a spade, man. But back in the day, it was obvious to me and all my friends that if this dude was wearing like a, a Motley Crue shirt, had studs and an earring, he probably wasn't praying the rosary. I mean, <laughs> that dude probably got stoned and he was all about the ladies. So it's like, it was a no brainer. Or if this girl was wearing dental floss, that girl got daddy issues. She's crying out for affirmation. This ain't rocket science, bro. But today you say that stuff and people are like, how dare you, Right. I mean, for real, it it cracks me up today. Everybody is so offended by everything. Everything's a trigger. You say hi, they're like, you don't know me. I'm, you know, I'm offended. I'm like, you're an idiot, okay? It's ridiculous. I mean, really, it's, it's, we've gone mad, you know? So it was obvious to me the people that wanted to party. So I went with them and I got into a bad way. And that wasn't even enough. So I ran away from home on the big island of Honshu, the big island of Japan in the middle. And I, I wasn't going to get a job, you know, so I got hooked up with the Japanese mafia, the Yakuza, the Yakuza. Not a lot of white people know what that is in Columbus, Ohio, probably. But, you know, it's hardcore stuff. I was a drug mule for the Japanese mafia. It was unbelievable. Nobody thought that the little white kid Right back in the you know mid '80s or late '80s at that point, yeah, late '80s with the members-only jackets. Do you remember those? If you're yeah, with all the zippers everywhere, with zippers right and everything. I had so much cash on me at any time. Yen. It always sounds more when you got a million yen, but it's not a million dollars. Maybe ten thousand dollars. But I would. I had that kind of money on me. It was crazy, and I had girls on my left and on my right that were you know older than me. It was just ridiculous, and I thought I was like. Bon Jovi, man, you know? I mean, if you were a white boy with long hair in Japan in the mid, in the mid to late 80s, you were a rock star. You, you dominated a room. When you walked into a room, everybody stared at you because you were taller than them. You were Godzilla, man. You were like, it was unbelievable. So I loved the attention. I loved it. But I caused a problem for our country. You know, sometimes you hear about military personnel a couple of sailors go out one night, get drunk, do something with some you know, girl in the country and embarrasses our country. I wasn't even in the military. And I was doing this. I caused an international scene. And I was wanted by the Japanese government, the American government, and the American military presence in Japan. Now, what I didn't know was that my mom was having a crisis. My poor mother. What I put that woman through. Oh, canonize the woman, right? Oh, man. She's a saint. Because I made her one. <laughs> you know? Just like your children are probably going to make you a saint because they're going to drive you nuts, right? So, my mom was on medication for anxiety, depression. She was stressed out. And her third marriage is now on the rocks because they're arguing about me because I'm footloose, fancy free, doing my own thing in Japan. But my mom had a friend in Japan. Now, these, these people are everywhere. Do you know who they are? They're here in Columbus. I guarantee it. You know what they are? Catholic Filipinos, man. Oh, man. Hardcore. There you are. I see you. We're talking green berets in the spiritual life, man. Special forces of God. You don't mess with these people, right? 
they would take you down. Well, my mom had a friend, you know, she, classic story. She married an a, a American GI. And wherever there's one Filipino, there's 10, 20 more coming, right? They're going to have every relative living up in that house before long, okay? Their family. So this woman said to my mother, now I, I love Filipinos. Salamat po to you and your culture. I love you, okay? I love you. But, yeah, there you are. I see you. But when you speak English, no offense, I love you. You sound a little funny, okay? <laughs> to a white boy. Your P's, your D's, your F's and W's, mm, gotta work on it, right? So when this Filipino woman said to my mother, this, I found out years later, I didn't know it at the time. This Filipino woman, because everybody knew about my family situation, okay? She said to my mom, I know what you got to do, you got to talk to butter, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The Filipinos, are, they get it. Okay, so my mom. Now this is crazy. My mom is almost full-blooded Italian. Lachita Bianco is my mother's maiden name. How was she not a Catholic? Crazy. So when this Filipino woman said, "You got to talk to Father," my mom was like, "Why do I have to talk to a Catholic priest?" But Filipino women don't play games. Okay, they will nag you until you do what they tell you to do. Right. So this Filipino woman was like, "You got to talk to him. Talk to him." So my mom was like, fine, ease up, man. So my mom went and talked to a Catholic chaplain on the military base. You know what that chaplain did for my mom? He changed my mom's life. He told my mom about hardcore, in-your-face, life-changing Catholicism. About the saints. About the Blessed Virgin Mary. About the Eucharist. About the sacraments, confession, all that stuff. And it was like the, the Catholic... Italian heritage was dormant in my mom and the priest was just like on you know my mom was like this is incredible now I didn't know this I knew nothing of what I'm telling you she went to her husband my dad dad number three and told him about it they both started going to church and they wanted to become a Catholic I was gone for a long time now they couldn't do it there why because my mother had to leave the country with my half-brother. I have a half-brother 10 years younger from that marriage. They had to leave. I didn't even know my mom was no longer living in the country. So after a period of time, they apprehended me, put me in a brig, the military holding cell. I escaped. I tried to beat up the MPs, you know, and then they caught me again, threw me in, and then they kicked me out of the country. That's that whole kicked out of Japan thing you hear about, you know. Deported. Handcuffed to the plane. It's called a Mack flight. It's a military cargo plane. It wasn't a commercial plane. It's like for, for cargo. And so two MPs escorted me. It was handcuffed to the plane. We flew from Yokosuka, Japan, to Honolulu, where they put me on a commercial flight, American Airlines, still with two MPs, handcuffed behind my back, my arms, and my feet are handcuffed as well, my ankles. And so I'm walking through Honolulu. Oh, and this is what I look like at this point, okay? Now I'm, I'm working on my pride and my ego, but I do carry a big picture of myself around the world, okay? Pray for me. I only do it so you can see. If I pulled out a wallet size, you're not going to be able to see it, okay? So this is what I looked like when I was being kicked out of the country of Japan, okay? Can you see it? Yeah, that's not a girl. I identify as a dude, okay? So that was me at the time. Now, that's what I look like. And so I'm being escorted through the airport in Honolulu, and people are like, oh, honey, look, right? And I'm like, hello, I can hear you. And everybody's talking about the handcuffed freak walking down, you know, with two military police officers. So we get on the flight. We fly to LAX, Los Angeles. And my first instinct was to bolt 
thanks for the free ride back to the USA, suckas, right? That's what I was thinking, you know. But I couldn't because all my friends were military dependents, so they didn't probably live here anymore. They were probably living in Germany or wherever. So I went with my dad because they released me into the custody of my dad because I hadn't done anything on American soil. Tricky situation. I was not 18 years old. Couldn't be incarcerated. The deal was I had to go into some form of an institution. I didn't know that, though. So I went with my dad to see my mother who relocated to Pennsylvania and had bought a house and was already living there with my brother. And so there's my mom, pre-9-11, Philadelphia Airport. No, yeah, Philadelphia Airport. She runs up to me. She's exuding motherhood all over me. Donnie, oh, I love you, Donnie. I hadn't seen my mom in a long time. Do you know what I did? To my shame, I pushed my mother back, almost knocked her down. And I put my finger in her face in front of everybody at that gate. And I said, I hate your guts. And I meant it. I hated her. And I wanted everybody to know. Why? Why did I hate this woman? My mom was more like a sister to me than a mother. I mean, she's the one who taught me to listen to Leonard Skinner and the Eagles and Bob Seger. Cool music, not all this lame garbage today, right? Seriously. My mom was cool, man. I, I, we grew up together. And now I hated her. Because that's what I was told to do. Authority. These people are horrible. They tell you what to do, what not to do. And even though my mom was you know, not religious or anything, she was still trying to tell me how to live my life. And I hated it. And so, man, my mom snapped. She cried. Oh, my goodness. She cried. We go to the car. And I'm in the back. I'm just stubborn as you, you have no idea. And I'm like, what are we doing? And my dad says, you're going to a rehab. And I'm like, Good. I knew my mom could hear it. I said, because it'll get me away from you. See, in the airport, I put a dagger in my mom's heart. In the car, I turned it and ripped her guts out. So we go for this long drive to my first rehab in the backwoods of Pennsylvania. And I'm there for three months. I didn't get better. I got worse. I don't mean to shock you or scandalize you. But you know that there's statistics that have been done now it's like 92 percent of all modern secular rehabs have a a failure rate that is so massive it's it's uh, it's it's unbelievable i went in there and learned how to do more drugs i was scandalized by the counselors in the program they have master's degrees some had a phd and what did i hear them talking about well they weren't talking about token up a fat one like i had done but they were pervs just like i was did they not think I could hear their conversations in the employee lounge? The guys, counselors, talking about the backside of the female counselors, and on occasion, even some of the, the counselees. You perv, you're a grown man, and you're talking about that. You think I can't hear you? And you're here to help me get better? Get a life. It's a joke. So I was there for three months. I ran away from it. I got caught. I had to go back in. It, it was unbelievable. So I get out, and I go to my parents' house after three months, and guess what my, my mom said to me? crazy stuff she said donnie while you were away your father and i have become catholic (laughs) yay i have no idea what the catholic church is i don't even know that 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 means that they're christian all i'm thinking is you're gonna like move to uganda and drink some kool-aid and off yourself looking for planet xeno like jim jones and company you know catholicism is a cult that's what i thought you guys are nuts You guys are cray-cray. You guys are some medieval, outdated institution that's unscientific and hates women. You're stupid people. That's what I thought. And she was all proud of it. She's like, come to church with us, Donnie. I'm like, you're high. You're high. 
I, like, you're, you're an educated woman, Mom. I can't believe you've been duped and suckered into believing in this nonsense. This is embarrassing. And I didn't have to go to church, by the way, because my mom had turned that house into a church. <laughs> my mom was like a nun. Okay? She had bought figurines of these creatures. Some dude ripped. He had, literally had like a six-pack with wings. It was weird. And he had like a pitchfork, and he was stabbing some snake in the face, and he's just ripped. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. But my mom had these little ones, gigantic ones, all over the house. She even tried to put these things, this creature, on a card and put it under my pillow in my pants pocket. St. Michael the year. I'm like, mom's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. My mom is flying high. It's crazy, right? And they call me nuts. They're, they're following some little weirdo throughout the cosmos. I had no idea what it was. So I couldn't stay in their house because every time they ate a cracker, they had to bless us, oh Lord. I'm like, you guys are nuts, man. Nuts. So I left. I ended up following a band called The Grateful Dead on a Volkswagen bus, got a tattoo called Steal Your Face on my back, and I was baked. I did so much acid and shrooms, I should not even be here. I, I fried myself. I mean, it was crazy. that I, I talked to turtles, man. You don't know a tree hugger. I was so hippie, it wasn't even funny, right? Me and my buddies going off on acid trips in the, in the backwoods, you know, trying to penetrate the cosmos. Because Jerry, you hit that one note, we're going to go there, man. You know, you, 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 you squeeze every drop of juice out of that one note. Take me, take me to the other side where love never fades away, brother. And it was this close to being religion. It really was. And they called it a family even. And people had weird names and everything, you know. I thought it was my purpose in life. So I did that for a while until I turned 18 and got thrown in jail in Louisiana shoplifting from a store called Piggly Wiggly. Those things actually exist, by the way. Yeah. You northerners don't know, but go down, they do, right? So I don't go to my court date, and then I go back to West Virginia, where my mom was living in at this time. Uh, oh, no, she wasn't living there. My, my biological father was there. Papa Croc, remember? Right. So my mom always told me, avoid that man. He's nothing but trouble. So I thought, well, now would be a good time to get reacquainted because I'm running from the law in Louisiana. So let me go find this renegade outlaw my mom's always told me to avoid. And sure enough, he was, he was, okay? I don't know about you here in Columbus, but any of you, have, have you ever been to the backwoods in West Virginia? Many of you have. You're not too far away, right? It's different. Whew. No offense if you're from West Virginia. These are my people, so I can talk about them, Okay. When I met my biological father for the first time, really, because I was a baby when all that other stuff happened, he was like straight up out of deliverance, man. It was like, dang, dude. He was, you don't know country and, and hillbilly and redneck until you've gone to the deep back hollows of West Virginia. No offense. These are my people. But I could, I could understand about every third word he said. I was like, dang. And he wasn't fond of me either because I was this long-haired freak who tried to smoke his corn, Right. We didn't hit it off. So he just wanted to sit around and watch NASCAR, you know, eat moon pies. And, you know, I mean, it was unbelievable. So I was like, dude, really? You're my dad? He's like, really? You're my son? But I told him my situation. He let me live on his land. Uh, they had, you know, a ton of property until my supplies ran out, you know. And then I go to my mom's house again. Guess what's happening now? My mom and my dad are going to church every day. They have drank the Kool-Aid, man. Who does this, right? I'm like, what? It was bad enough before you were going. Now they had enrolled my brother in a Catholic school. 
And I'm like, he's being indoctrinated by women who, you know, dress weird. And that's what I thought. You know, he's getting unscientific nonsense. This is crazy. And you're paying for this. This is ridiculous. I couldn't stay there again. So I left and I got into more trouble until I went to another rehab in Philadelphia because I was smoking crack and I, I was there for three months and it was a psychiatric institute. I couldn't run away because of the lockdown pad a facility. I tried to beat up the counselors. You have no idea the animal that I became. See, because that's what they told me I was. All my life, up until I dropped out of school, all my teachers always just told us, look, uh, you come from water and then maybe starfish because uh, they're supposed to be intelligent or something. And then maybe dolphins even. And then, you know, we got onto land and you became a monkey. And now you're just basically an erect monkey. So get over yourself. You're not the center of the cosmos. I literally had people in my science classes tell us this stuff. You're not, we, we've been downgraded. This whole, the earth centers around Jesus and Christianity. They've even changed in the textbooks the time. It's not A.D. anymore. It's C.E., the common era, because they don't want Jesus as the center of history. So when I grew up, I didn't learn about any of that stuff. We had been, that stuff was laughed at. They made fun of that stuff. All my teachers. And they, they, they joked about it. And so all I thought was I was a monkey, so whatever. The, the animal they told me I was, I became. So there I find myself not wanting to even live anymore. I didn't want to be here anymore. This monkey had done everything a monkey can do with lots of other beautiful monkeys. A lot of beautiful monkeys out there, right? What now? I won't be here. You know, I have a lot of friends who did that. They checked out. They're gone. They're not here anymore. They took their lives. Or they, they're here, but they're not here. They did so much acid that they're in a halfway house right now. They drool on themselves. They don't know their nose from their toe. They're here, but they they gone. So I'm thinking one night about doing this, how to end my life. I have no career options, no goals, purposes. There's nothing here but a cosmic rock going through space at mock speed, pointless. I didn't want to be here. So as I sat in my parents' house, I didn't even have a room. It was a storage area with a love seat where when I was in town, I would crash on it. My dad was off somewhere on, on a, an assignment halfway around the world. I had a crisis. I knew my dad had a 38 under a floorboard because I cr- heard it creak one time. I looked, picked it up, and there was a 38 with the clip not in it, but next to it. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do that. And then I said, oh, man, what, what's going on here? My friends are already wasted on a beach somewhere. They were living in Virginia Beach at this time. I go out to the hallway to look at National Geographic, something that will get my mind off this crazy stuff going on in my head. I pull out a book that I thought was National Geographic, but it wasn't. It was yellow, but it said this, really strange. The Queen of Peace visits Meju Gigi Gore Gigi Gore Gigi. What? No idea, right? So I'm like, okay, I look at the book. There's some babushka-looking lady barefoot on a rocky mountain. I'm like, get some shoes, Grandma. You know, what is up with that? That don't make no sense to me. So I'm like, huh. So I look, and I'm like, I'm seeing Christian words, and I'm like, I bet you this is the dork manual that suckered my parents into becoming one of these weirdos who goes to church every day. So I'm like, I'm going to see what they're into. So I go into that room, sit down. I start to read it. I don't get it. It's talking about some war in some place I can't even pronounce. So I look at the pictures in the middle, and there's these little kids in like some karate position looking up at the air like they had just toked up a fat one. They look baked. They were like, hey, oh, yeah, right? High as a kite. I had no idea. 
So I'm like, what? So I read the caption below the pictures, and one of them said that the Virgin Mary was now appearing to the children. (laughs) What's a Virgin Mary, man? No idea. That's how ignorant I was. And then their names were there. And I thought one of the girls' names was marijuana. I really did. That's what it looked like. It was like, that girl's name, marijuana, you know? So I'm like, what? So I start to read this thing again, skipping the first few pages. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because to me, it was like, remember that show In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy? I'm dating myself now, right? Where they would look for Nessie and Bigfoot up in Oregon and whatnot, and wah, 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 with all the cool music and whatnot. That's what I thought this was. Like, these people were seeing a specter, like in Scooby-Doo cartoons, man. And they were on the hunt for this thing, and somehow they probably, you know, did a little something-something to make them feel good as they were hunting for it. But these are young kids, and I'm like, dang, what do these people got going on over there? So I kept reading this. And then I was like, hold on. They actually believe this junk. And they're talking about that this woman is actually like talking to them. Whoa, what's going on here? And then that woman, now don't freak, don't write the bishop on me. I think the bishop's here. So, you know, don't get me in trouble. I'm not the Pope on these things. I leave these decisions up to the church, right? Just telling you historically what happened to me. I'm like, what? See, God knew what to do. God knew what to do. I'm a guy, man. I'm, I, I had so many wounds from the culture and so, much, so many things that I had done sinfully. God knew that he had to bait me with beauty. And he did. These kids start talking about the most beautiful woman ever. They said she came with a clap of thunder, with the smell of roses, and she was so beautiful that they fell to their knees and they cried in her presence. I'm like, Shazam! I'm like, who is this? What is this? Where has this been? And, you know, I was raw, man. I had no idea. So I I keep reading this, and then she starts saying that she's the mother of Jesus. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, We don't do that Jesus thing. That's not real. I'd heard about Jesus, but he was as real to me as the Easter bunny, the tooth fairy, or some fat dude who comes down your chimney once a year and eats your cookies and milk, right? It ain't real, man. Jesus was not real. This was something for old people because they're scared to die and kids, so they get a day off of school and get presents. This ain't real. But I'm like, they're acting like this is real. And this woman is saying that she's the mother. I'm like, I didn't even know this dude had a mother. Seriously, when I was a young boy, Saturday and Sunday mornings, you know, basically taken care of by the TV, babysat by the TV, between Scooby-Doo and Popeye and the Bugs Bunny, some preacher man would come on TV talking about Jesus. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Be free in the name of Jesus. Right? That's, I saw that growing up. Not once did I ever hear that dude, because I would spend a couple minutes seeing what this dude was into. Never did I hear that dude talk about the mother of Jesus. Not once did I ever hear this. Because myths don't have mothers. All of a sudden, this is, I'm like, what? So I read that book. I consumed that book. Didn't go to sleep. Read it in one night. Now I look like this, even worse. My hair at its ultimate length was all the way down to my belt, right? The only reason I have this picture is because my mom didn't get her hands on it to destroy it, <laughs> right? She, she wasn't fond of my long hair. So my mom gets up in the morning, duplex. She comes down the stairs. I meet her halfway, long hair. I, you could have got a contact high if you stood close enough to me. I was like cannabis incarnate, you know? And she's like, what? And I'm like, mom, I got to, oh, I couldn't even say it. To say a spiritual need to my mother was to off myself in her presence. To talk about God, kidding me? I couldn't say it. So she's like half asleep. She's like, what are you trying to tell me? And I was like, mom, I got to talk to a Catholic priest. Do you know what she said to me? We joke about this to this day. 
she looked at me and she goes, yeah, right. I can't win. You know, so I'm like, I'm serious. So I got the book. I showed her the book. And she's like, did you read that? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, she ran to the phone super early in the morning. She punches in seven digits and has a convo with some dude that went like this. Father, I know. I'm sorry. I know. uh, Father, I'm so sorry. It's early. I know. This is Lachita. Father, I need to. No, Father, listen to me. Listen to me. Right? Because priests are human beings. They got to get up and put their pants on, use the bathroom, have some coffee like everybody else. So that doesn't work. She tries another one. He's like, how about nine o'clock? She's like, no, now, right? They were living at Norfolk Naval Air Station on military officer housing. I would come through the main gate and I knew there was something there doing with God. So I would walk on the other side of the street because I hated anything to do with religion, but I knew it was there. So I said to my mother, mom, isn't there one of those? She knew what I wanted to say. She said, Donnie, run, run, Donnie, right? And I did. I threw the book down the hallway. I bust out the door, long hair, flying in the wind. I ran to that thing. And I'm not going in. I don't do church, okay? That, mm-mm, no. It's good enough I'm near one of these things. Plus, it's traffic, main gate, mm, no. So I see another building that says chaplain's office. I go over there, and I don't know how to communicate well with people at that point. I'm socially raw. So I open the door. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I yell out. Catholic priest. I freaked that joint out. I look like this on a military installation, screaming for a Catholic priest, right? Nobody wanted to approach the long-haired freak in the doorway. So all these heads are popping out of cubicles with their white Navy uniforms on their Dixie cup of coffee. And they're like, oh, uh, do you want to talk to him? I don't, do you want to? I don't. I'm like, hello, right? So finally, one dude has the courage to approach me, and he says, can I help you? And I'm like, I need a priest, man. He's like, who are you? And I'm like, don't worry about that. Give me a priest. So he comes back with some other dude, and I don't know what a priest is supposed to look like, okay? But in my mind, I'm thinking like Moses, you know? I'm expecting this dude to come up to me and go, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be free, right? Save from the fires of hell in the name of Jesus. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen because that's, that's TV Christianity to me. So he comes over to me and he tells me his name is Father John, which don't mean dink to me. You know, I'm like, whatever, dude. So I'm like, are you a preacher, man? You do stuff, God stuff. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, help me, dude, get it out of me. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know, dude, but that woman's freaking me out, dude. I'm like, she said, that if I want peace and happiness, I got to go to a Catholic priest and confess my sins. And I'm like, and you're what, you're a priest? He's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, help me, man. He goes, so you want to go to confession? And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. So we go to his little cubicle, and that dude was terrified. He pulled his chair like halfway out into the hallway. Hmm. I mean, he was probably thinking, I'm going to pull out 38 and cap this sucker, right? Because that's what I look like, right? I look like a criminal. So all I know as I got me a preacher man and I'm supposed to tell him sins. I'm not exactly sure what a sin is, but I I could probably think of a few things I've done. So I start to tell this man foul, disgusting things. I'm so embarrassed. I can't even look at him. I'm staring at the carpet. I'm like, all right, dude, I remember this. I did this. I did this. I did this. Oh gosh, I did this. Oh no, no, man, I'm in such trouble. And I don't hear nothing. I look up and he was like, you did what? And I was like, yeah, dude. I was 13 when I did that, right? And he's like, oh man, hold on. He goes, when's the last time you went to confession? Dude, I, I, I don't know. He goes, 
you know, was it maybe when you were confirmed? It's probably been a long time. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. And then he goes, well, you're a Catholic, right? And I'm like, oh, heck no, heck no. (laughs) And he got a little upset. He was, he was like, oh, wait a minute. You have to be a Catholic. This is a sacrament. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. All I said is that woman in that book. And he's like, what woman? And I'm like, the mother of Jesus. Did you know that he had a mom? (laughs) He's looking at me like, oh my. I mean, he's thinking, what is going... So he goes, look, he pulled one of these, right? I've heard this many times. He goes, well, I'm aware of the time, you know. So I'm thinking that's his way out, right? Because it often is. So I'm like, ho, ho, don't, please, dude, please don't do this. I need you. I need help, man. I need some serious help. He goes, look, I've got to go celebrate Mass. Now, I'm not a Catholic. That man just told me he's going to go rejoice and be super happy about neutrons and protons. We're going to celebrate Mass, man. <laughs> Dig it, man. You know? I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. Celebrate Mass. You talk gravity? You're going to be happy about gravity? What are you talking about? No idea. So, he's, I'm, so he says to me, you don't know what that is? I'm like... So he's like, all right, do you know where the chapel is? I said, yeah, I saw it. It's over there. He goes, okay, look, here's the thing. Go over there. I'll be over in a little bit. When I'm done, let's meet back here and we'll talk. I'm like, really? I said, yes. I said, and you're not going to call the cops on me? Because I just told that man sinful and criminal things. I'm thinking that's his way out. And he's going to be like, 911, yo, get over here quick. He said, no, we'll talk. We'll meet back here. So I said, okay. So I start to leave. And he, he, he tells me before I leave, he goes, hey, 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 um, do me a favor. When you go in the chapel... Um, Sit in the back. That's what he said to me, right? I get it, right? I looked horrible. So I go over there. I wait for a break in traffic. I, I go through the door. That door slammed behind me like somebody shot. I thought I was guillotined. I, you know, I don't belong in the house of God. I turn around. Guess who's in that church? That church was not as wide as this by any means. It was maybe one of these kind of rows, but it was about as long. I came in a door that would have been like right here. The door slams. I turn around. Guess who's in the front pew? Nobody else in the church. Five Filipino women. I'm dead meat. I, oh, man. You couldn't get me to the back fast enough. What are these people who took down my whole family? Right? I went to the back. I sat down, long hair. I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I cannot believe I'm in a Catholic church. This is insane. And then, you know, they did something. Now, if you don't know Filipinos, it's a very matriarchal culture, right? Women, they tend to dominate and tell everybody else what to do, even the dudes, right? And the dudes just listen. You better do it, homie. You're going to be in trouble. So there she was, the leader of the pack. That always happens in a group of Filipinos. One lady is self-appointed to tell everybody else what to do, right? So there she was. She goes up and fires up two candles on some table. I didn't know it was an altar. She goes back to her purse, pulls out a necklace, and kind of gestures to them. They pull out their necklace, and she fires up this Tagalog incantation to the boat hanging from the ceiling. That's what I saw, right? Naval chapel, boat hanging from the ceiling. And it went like this. Again, no offense to Filipinos. I love you people so much. From the depths of my heart, I love you. But this is what I heard that day. What? What? Hail something. And then the other four reciprocated by together. They were like, holy, amen. Almost completely unintelligible, right? Hail something, holy something, amen. I don't know. 
and they were moving, man. It was like, hey, I'm going to get about a soul to the highest bidder, you know? What the heck is going on up in here? No idea what this was, but they seemed to be enjoying it. And then, after a few minutes, the leader, bold, these Filipino women, she turns around to me, long-haired freak in the back. She holds up her necklace, and she jingles, and she goes, young man, young man, would you like to play the next decade, please? Next decade. I'm like a deer in headlights. I have no idea. I dropped out of school. I'm not intelligent. But decade means 10 years to me. Okay? What? So she tried to clarify. She goes, the second sorrowful mystery, second sorrowful mystery. I have no idea. And I'm, I'm actually like, ooh, ooh. I'm thinking, they don't know. They don't know. We got some Wiccan coven up in here. And that priest is coming and they don't know. Oh, it's going to go down. When that priest comes in, he is going to, mm. I'm thinking, you know, so I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for him to bust in that door and we're going to see some action. So they finish this thing, which seemed to take forever. And then he comes in. But now he's not in a white Navy uniform on. He's like dressed like a hippie. He's got some robe on with a flower on it. And he's cool with them. He's like, morning, right? And I'm, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I want to tell them, we got some witches up in here doing some weird stuff, man. They fired up candles, homie. They were praying to the boat, man. I want to rat, I want to rat them out. Like, oh, this ain't, this ain't church, right? So he seems to be, like, cool with them. So he goes up to the table, and he does stuff, which was really weird, and the microphones were horrible. All I heard was this, in the name, here. You ever been to a church like that? Charlie Brown, right? It's like, get the bunny in here and get some batteries in that mic, homie. Horrible horrible I, he, I couldn't understand him anymore and I can understand them so then he goes to one of these he reads from some book it's like dang man it took forever you know and then he goes over to the thing again and it worked the microphone there worked so he they get down on their knees for some reason he bends over and at some point he says to some little circle he's got in his hands this I heard him say this he said take this all of you and eat it this is my body What? I, 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 I'm not kidding. I heard that man say this. Take and eat. This is my body. And then he showcased it. He was like, da-da, right? I'm like, you a lunatic, bro. That dude just said that was his body and we got to eat it. And they're, they're like, yeah, you know, they're all into it. It's a nut house. That's what I'm thinking. But you know what happened next? As he stood there, it's like somebody pressed pause in the room, and I heard a voice. It wasn't an acid flashback. I've had those, right? I heard a voice. It wasn't spoken to my ears. It was spoken to me. I can't even explain that to you. And the voice said this, worship. You know what happened next? I asked the Lord many years ago to give me some way of explaining this to people. This is what happened to me. I was injected with knowledge. I knew what that man had in his hands was God. I knew it, but I didn't understand it. Eucharist, Holy Communion, I'm clueless about that kind of stuff. He had God. I knew it. He put down God, and then he picked up a really sweet medieval-looking goblet. I didn't know what it was. And he said, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is my blood. And he held it up. Do you know what happened again? Worship. I knew it. I knew what that man had in his hands. 
Then I saw the most amazing thing that I've ever seen, seen in, my, in my life. To this day, I've never seen anything like it. That dude got up, walked down, they got met right here, and I saw that man and heard him say to each one of those women, one by one, the body of Christ. And I saw him put God inside them, in their mouth. I saw this. I did, I saw it. And what that man said was what the voice told me. He didn't say, my body, my body. He said, the body of Christ. It was God. Man, I, went, I was watching this and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I losing my mind here? What is going on? Then they stuck around for a while. The women got up and they left. He left. And there I was alone with God in some gold box that he seemed to have God still there. And he put him in a box with a little red candle next to it and he left. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I don't even know what to do. Do you know what's happened to me so fast? I was being overflooded with knowledge. I've been here before, many times. Not in a church, but in all those shows I used to go to, right? We all faced that direction. There seemed to be like a little stage, and it seemed to be all the same kind of things. There was candles, and, and there was communion. There really was. Do you know how many little circular things I put on my tongue? Acid? All the time. Longing for meaning and purpose and where love never fades away. Do you know how much liquid I drank from a chalice that the world gives you? Longing for meaning, wanting to be loved and belong? So much. I consumed it so much. All of a sudden I realized, as the cliche says, I was looking for it in all the wrong places. Here it was. It blew me away. It, blew, it was too much for me. I got up from that seat. I walked behind me because I knew that God was in that gold box. I hit a wall behind me and there was a curtain and it said confessional I didn't hear a voice but boom knowledge I knew immediately what it was immediately I went to that priest's office and told him what happened I freaked that dude out man he was like oh I've got a busy day and I'm like dude I know I know but I'm telling you this you didn't hear the voice he's like no I didn't hear the voice and I'm like Dude, I don't know. I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't know, man. I just, I think this stuff is real and I need it, man. Help me. And he's like, so what do you want to do? And I go, I want to be a Catholic. You know what he said to me? No. <laughs> that shocked me. I thought he was going to be like, save the soul today. Great. Right? But that's not what he said. He said, well, there, you know, classes are six to eight months here and you got a once a week on Tuesdays. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? One phone call, dude, and I could royally jack this whole thing up. And he's like, well, that's how it is. And I, I'm like, Tuesdays? And he's like, yeah, Tuesday it's coming up. And I'm like, fine. All right, what time? Put me down. I'll, 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 I'll be there. So he goes, look, this is moving too fast. You need to go home. Don't do anything stupid. I'm going to give you some items. Go home. Come back tomorrow and we'll talk. So he gave me a big painting of Jesus, a big crucifix, which I still have, and a portrait of his grandpa. Random. But I was like, all right, whatever. It was some pudgy dude, looked like he'd eaten one too many cookies with a little white hat on. No idea, right? Yeah, clueless. I'm not up on these things. So I go back to my mom's house and I threw away everything in the room. All of my Mrs. January, February, and March issues hidden in the floorboards, my little resin scrapers to get that last hit from the bowl, you know, everything. All my Grateful Dead cassettes at the time, all that stuff. I chucked it all. Chucked my Bob Marley poster toked up a big splint, right? All of it, chucked it all. Hung up Jesus, Jesus, and Grandpa. 
Obviously, that was John Paul II, but I didn't know that at the time. I would fall so in love with that man. I miss him so much, you have no idea how much I miss him. So, there I am, and I'm like, what do I do? So I said, I got to do what these kids are doing. He says he'll meet with me tomorrow. So I got the kit book, and I looked at the pictures, and I'm like, all right, okay. So I pulled out the dresser drawer. I put my hands like this, and I was just like, shazam. You're like, rub-a-dub-dub, poof, right? Where's the roses? I expected I would experience what they were talking about, roses and heavenly doves, and, you know, some visitor from heaven would come, but it didn't happen. And I'm like, okay, what, what am I doing here? I mean, obviously I'm on my knees. I'm trying to talk to somebody that I can't see. Either I've become a nut or this is real. So as I looked at the image of, the, of, of Jesus, the, the painting, his heart was like this. Oh, this is amazing. This will blow you away right now. You know what image it was? That one. That exact image right there. But it, didn't have, it wasn't the divine mercy rays. It was just that top half. That's the exact image that the priest gave me. Exactly, right? So as I looked at it, I looked at the heart, and what I expected to see, if he's God, was this. I'm going to smack you, you little filthy perv. Yeah, I'm God. I know what you've done. That's what I expected, and that's what I deserved. But what I saw was this. And the heart was on fire. In the eyes, mm, I lost it. I started to cry like a human being can't cry. I was flooded with tears. It was a grace. They were pouring out of my eye sockets like a fountain off my chin. Do you know how long that lasted? all day in my book called no turning back i call it divine detox i didn't have to come to god with merit badges and poetry all i want all he wanted was for humility just to get on my knees and cry out in my brokenness and that's what i did i lost it oh my gracious i lost it you know after many hours and my mom testifies to this whole thing i became like giggly with joy it's like the father I never knew was smothering me with so much love because I had a gigantic boo-boo on my soul. My soul was bloody. I had fallen hard. And now a God that I never knew or wanted to have anything to do with was like romancing my soul, was telling me how much I was loved and appreciated and wanted. It just overwhelmed me. I got up from that experience. The sun had already gone down. Crazy. I tucked into the love seat to go to sleep. Guess who came into the room? Satan. I didn't believe in Satan. Even up to that point. I mean, that stuff, you know, now I did. And I wasn't a Satanist. I'd never joined some satanic cult, went to some service where we danced around a pentagram and slashed a chicken's throat and sprinkled blood. Kidding me? Those people are nuts too, right? I never did any of that kind of stuff. But I did dabble in Ouija boards, tarot cards, right? Not even believing it. I was the one moving the thing, trying to get the girl to go out with me. Date him. Well, look at there, you know. But, stupid, right? But I opened myself up to things. And the devil came back to claim what he thought was his own. If I told you the music I used to listen to, right, by bands like Iron Maiden, 666, I will possess your soul and you will burn. These are the lyrics, right? What's wrong with the night of sin? Go for it. It's yours to do with what you want. I was, I was bad. And so Satan started to manifest himself. And I'm not kidding. A physical manifestation of the devil began in my room. Do you know how terrified I was? I was so terrified I couldn't move. If you've ever had sleep paralysis, which occasionally I'll get, magnify that by like a quadrillion. I was horrified. I couldn't do anything. Even if I wanted to take a punch, what am I going to do, punch the devil? 
What's this little dinky I'm going to do made out of dust? I'm going to take a swing at the devil. That's going to do some damage. That ain't going to do nothing. So you know what I did? From my soul, I cried out to heaven. I took like a scream and I threw it into the heavens. I cried out from my soul, Mary! Because I was terrified. I thought I was going to hell. And then you know what happened? I heard a voice. I'm not a mystic. I don't get locutions. It's never happened since. But let me tell you something. I have never heard a voice like this in my life. I would die to hear this voice again. It was the most feminine, maternal voice. It was like liquid love trickling over my soul. And the voice said to me, Donnie, I'm so happy. Nobody calls me Donnie but my mom. Nobody. But it's not my mom. My mom's somewhere in the house doing whatever. But I knew. I knew who it was. It was the mother of Jesus Christ. By calling me Donnie, she's telling me that she's my mother. Man, I went to sleep that night like a little baby tucked up against his mother's breast, safe, secure. Not even Satan could touch me. Because I was in the arms of the mother of Jesus. Man, I got up the next morning. I was different. I still had my long hair and all my Martian clothes, right? But I, I was different. I went to that priest and told him what happened. Freaked him out again, right? And I'm like, dude, I know, but I'm telling you, this stuff happened. My mom will tell you, man, I was there all day. And then the devil was there, man. He was freaking me out, dude, and I couldn't do anything, and I cried out. And then I heard a voice, and I, I don't, oh my gosh, man, I don't know what to do. And he's like trying to help me, and he's like, all right, look, I need you to do this. I need you right now to go out. There's these women out there, and I'm like, the Filipino ones. And he's like, yes. So I went out there. I became their project. I did. I was like under their care, right? They said, you, got to, you should cut your hair. You need to cut your hair. You don't look very good. Right? So I did. I went and cut my hair. I lost all my strength. Just like Samson, so to speak. I did. I wasn't cool anymore. I wasn't... The girls weren't... Back in those days, girls liked long hair on guys, right? I wasn't... They didn't want me anymore. All my friends left me. All my friends. I had become a dork for Jesus. But it was awesome. I was free Mary had come in and just cut all the shackles. I got a job. Imagine that. I got a job, right? Cleaned up my language. Got normal human being clothes with a collar and not freakish stuff all over it. You know, took out my earring. Really. Took it all out. I wanted to scrape the tattoo off my back, but, you know, that's a whole different story. It's a skull with a lightning bolt through it called Steal Your Face from the Grateful Dead. My life so radically changed. None of my relatives believed it. They were like, oh, he's just going through a phase, you know. It was so real. I was fasting on bread and water on Wednesdays and Fridays. Fasting is prayer squared. You want to grow in the spiritual life? Fast. You want to get rid of demons in your life? Fast. It is unbelievable how you would go from first to fifth overdrive in the spiritual life when you do this stuff. And the Filipino women, they were like, here, you got to wear this, right? They hooked me up with things. Seemed magical at first, but then I learned what it was, right? He who dies wearing this shall not suffer eternal fire. I'm like, amen, right? I'm like, awesome. I had a brown, blue, red. I had every kind of scapular you could have, right? I had, I was like Mr. T, if you remember that dude, right? I had more medals around me from Saint so-and-so. I don't even know who these Filipino people are, right? Our lady of, of, of some flight thing, she flies around. I don't know, man. Novenas, I was the Novena king, because those Filipino women. I would, they taught me how to do the Stations of the Cross. 
but they didn't tell me you did it once. I was NASCAR in that sucker. I would just keep going around and around and around and around and around until I exhausted myself. And then I'd take a nap in the pew. People thought I passed out. They're like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I was in love. When you're in love, you do crazy things. I couldn't get enough. I was so in love, I would be at the church in the mornings before the Filipinos. That's crazy behavior for a white boy, you know? And in the evening, after my job, I would go there, and they would have to lock the door. I would look through the windows to the tabernacle, and I would say to Jesus, my Jesus, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. When you're in love, man, you don't want to hang up, just like when you were a teenager. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up, right? I didn't want to hang up. I love you. You're everything. I can't believe I, I was so lost, and you, you saved me. You've brought me new meaning in life and everything. And then I didn't know what to do with my life. I'm meeting some very Catholic women, and I'm like, wow, right? Whew, I could marry her for sure. But I didn't know what to do. You know what happened? The Filipino women, God bless them. <laughs> this woman comes up to me, and she goes, you should become a father. The young people need a priest like you. And I'm like, Vi, thank you so much, Vi. But I, I can't do that. You know, I, that, I don't think that would be possible. You know what she said to me? Well, if you don't become a father, I have a beautiful daughter. Shoot me now, right? <laughs> Lady, you don't know what you're doing to me, you know? So I'm like, no, I'm good. So I just kept praying and praying and praying. And then every time I saw that priest say mass or go to that thing in the back and hear confessions with the people waiting, I longed for it. I wanted that, but I didn't think it would be possible. But it was. And so I ended up sending out things to religious communities and ended up joining a religious community called the Marian Fathers, the guys who promote divine mercy in Stockbridge, right? And it was just blew me away. The whole, I'm like the mercy, poster child for divine mercy. If you think you got problem kids, remember me, okay? I make all your kids look pretty good, okay? Or your jacked up husband who thinks, great, you're going to spend all day at a Saturday women's conference. Wonderful, right? I know. I talked to so many of you. Your husbands probably think you're weirdos. You're going to come back with a million books, which hopefully you will, okay? But I get it. It's tough. It's not easy, so then I joined the community. I had to study for 10 years. Now I've been a priest for 16 years and I'm special. No, I'm not. I'm still, I'm, I'm a guy. I, I got my temptations, my struggles, my weaknesses. Hang out with me for more than a day and you'll be like, we got to pray for father. <laughs> I'm broken, wounded like everybody else, right? But God did what he did for me so that hopefully I can give you a message of hope and mercy. God has not abandoned us. He's with us. Even in a jacked up, messed up world where people identify as cats, Really? People today don't even know what bathroom to use. It's, we're so messed up today. But God has not left us. He's here with us. He's never going to leave us. He's faithful, always. And that's what I want you to know more than anything. You don't have to remember my name or even my story. I want you to remember God's unending love for you. For you. He knows your situation. He knows what you're going through. He knows your marriage woes. He knows your children's situation, how your heart right now is hurting and it's broke because of what's going on in your particular life. He knows. He's never going to leave you. Never. Remember that. Remember that. And strive to continue to be faithful to him. Do those devotions. Say those prayers. Fast in a way that you can. You don't have to be you know, crazy cray cray like I was. But do something. God is filling up a spiritual bucket with your tears 
And in his time, he'll dump it on your husband. Dump it on your kids. He will. He's just waiting for a few more drops to fill that bucket up. He wants your cooperation. Okay. I'm going to pray for you, ladies, because you, in many ways, are the heart of the world. Right? You really are. It's because of your prayers that somebody like me can be transformed. When you're praying those rosaries for, oh Lord, pray for the conversion of sinners. It's for the Donald Calloways in the world that your prayers have power to transform lives. So thank you for that. And I want to say it again. Remember, what's the website? I think you got it right. I couldn't hear much of that. But yeah, okay, good. All right. And then also what I want to say, and I'll leave because I know there's a lady here waiting to get, kick me off the thing here. Um, if you want to go on pilgrimage with me, I go on tons of pilgrimages all around the world. Every year I go on them. I don't put you on a bus. See you. I go with you. People trip on that. You go with us, Father? Yeah. Well, yeah. My mom goes on half of them. If you want to meet a saint, come and meet my mother. She's my Monica. She is such a delightful woman. If you go to that website, consecrationofstjoseph.org, do it, get the book, and check out the pilgrimages. God bless you, ladies. I love you so much. Thank you.